0: All right, you white motherfuckers! All eyes on me. This is the I Refuse podcast. Welcome back, everybody! Happy New Year! It is I, Mr. Fox, aka Take It or Leave It, aka John Ham's athletic supporter. Welcome to the I Refuse podcast. Hope you guys had a great Christmas, a great New Year's celebration. I'm glad you guys are back. Coming into 2023. You know, f- glad to be home. Settled from my time in Chicago. Hope you enjoyed that last episode of 2022. That I snuck in while I was on vacation. <sighs> but it's w- without. Trepidation that Once again, I have been minding my African American business, staying in my African American house, and y'all asses just can't seem to get it together. I don't know what y'all doing out here. I don't know if it's something in the water, if it's something in the, if it's a full moon when I lay myself down to sleep, but... We are back again with some stuff. Um, First things first, if you're not familiar with the I Refuse podcast, particularly season four. We have a bit of a format over here. Now, start off the episode with some housekeeping items. First things first, uh, rest in peace to Anita Pointer. She was one of the members of the legendary, iconically underrated least discussed R&B pop genre defining genre bending girl groups the pointer sisters she lost uh, her battle to cancer when we want to talk about like music we cannot ignore the pointer sisters legacy and long standing career You know, I have a couple of uh, pre-popular songs of theirs that I love listening to. Uh, Everybody loves I'm So Excited and Fire and Slow Hand, uh, but we cannot forget Bet You got a Chick on the Side, Automatic. um, And there's another song in there where it's like, got a chip on your shoulder i just knocked it off like amazing um you know everybody reveres the supremes and labelle and In Vogue and swv and uh who else the jones girls and you know sister sledge but you don't really hear a lot of discussion with the pointer sisters and it's It's a shame because it's like they started in the church, as most vocalists do, and they came together. They were originally a five-member girl group, which all five members can sing, and they started out roughly professionally in the late 60s, early 70s, and started having hits independently. On smaller labels. And really hit their stride in the early 80s. Early to mid 80s. But we're talking almost 50 years. 50 years. And you don't really hear much of a discussion about them. And I believe that leaves about... One or two original members of the Point of Sisters... You know, they lost uh, Bonnie, I believe they lost June, and now they've lost Anita. And the deaths uh, started pretty early, um, as early as like the 90s. So condolences to the Pointer family and to Anita Pointer's family specifically. Rest in peace to hip-hop icon Gangsta Boo. Listen Southern Hip Hop Three Six Mafia Um They say that Well she was the sole female member and it initially started out that the rest of the group needed like a female on one of their songs and the female they originally contacted didn't show up. So DJ Paul reached out to Gangsta Boo. She came in, did a song and of course the rest is history. So 36 Mafia has been popular since the early 90s. Really didn't hit their stride until like maybe the mid 90s and they had their fame and popularity on a smaller label as well. And then eventually they they hit their stride with the bigger label. But Gangsta Boo was with the group relatively about five or so years she did uh three solo albums had a falling out with three six mafia over money and issues like that at some point unfortunately she got mixed up into drugs Uh, a lot of people that i know that heard about her passing Saw her on Marriage uh, Boot Camp or Couples Therapy, one of those reality shows. And that particular season that she was on, they remember her and her boyfriend or husband at the time being kicked off or chastised or admonished for a search that was done and found a bag of white powder. Now at the time of this production there isn't there wasn't a cause of death revealed but there was some conversation a uh, theory that she was found on her porch for something in the afternoon very unfortunate um Gang Sabu is a few years older than I than I am I'm um, roughly around the same age as Trina very very young um, I hope it wasn't drug related, and I hope you know it's it's one of th- addiction. Addiction is one of those things where it's like it's hard to shake sometimes, and you know the thrill is from the drugs, but also on some level the drugs numb the pain, numb the stress, numb you know as an escape. You know, being the son of a former drug addict, uh, she was definitely, my mom was definitely a functioning drug addict. Um, and I have one other, um, I have a current addict in my family, um, at the time of this production. And I had no idea growing up or even up until that time in my adult life, it's not, it's not easy. um. Some people function, others, you know, the stuff starts to slip through the cracks. You know, you catch them in a state or in a trance. There's no life in their eyes. They're talking. It's very, it's very scary, very walking dead. Um, and me personally, I always hope that a person that's struggling, especially a celebrity, who I revere and who whose music or movies I watch, performances I love, makes it out the other side and it breaks my heart that they're not able to. Um, we're not saying here at the I Refuse podcast because we don't speak on things we don't know. We don't speak into existence. We just do. We do talk about what we know. But we can also theorize. So rest in peace to Gang Sabu, Um, one of the rare groundbreaking female Southern hip-hop artists um, before LaChat, before Trina, um, around the time of Missy Elliott, who is from Virginia. Um, huge loss um didn't get discussed enough during her lifetime as to her influence and her impact in not only a male-dominated industry but in a predominantly male hip-hop group and held her own so that was that was very much a sad thing to hear about um moving on rest in peace to fred white one of the members of earth wind and fire He was actually the drummer in Earth, Wind & Fire, brother of founder Maurice White and guitarist Verdine White. Fred White, a child drumming prodigy, made his first professional appearance at 16 on Donny Hathaway's live album. Get into that. He joined Earth, Wind & Fire in 1974, and a year or so later, they released their iconic song and album, Way of the World. Uh, it's no, not much details as to his passing. Uh, Verdine White did go to social media to announce his passing. Let me tell y'all something. Like when you want to talk about a group that they're like no words. You, it's an entire experience. It's almost, and on some level. On a great deal, spiritual and galvanizing, and funky and energetic, but not a type of music you can put in a particular box. Um, you know, R and B music, pop music, rock music. You know, Earth, Wind, and Fire was all of that and then some. It, you know, music definitely has a way of. Taking you to another place, but something about Earth, Wind, and Fire's music that takes you to like another universe. And they definitely are an experience. You know, it's very rare, just from audio only, that music takes you to a different place. You know, Stevie Wonder is up there in that same universe, uh, Michael Jackson. Is up there in that universe. Quincy Jones is up there in that universe. Uh, Ray Charles, Billy Holiday, where it's just like. Man Condition is another another uh, artist group. Sade is another another band where it's just like. Definitely, it's it's a high and it's a, an, an escape that. Just, it's wild. Um, I was having a conversation about you know. These latest deaths, particularly Gangsta Boo, where it's like I had it with a friend of mine who's around the same age as me, and it's like slowly but surely, people that defined our childhood or influenced our childhood are dying, like you know, the Green Ranger, Jason David Frank died by suicide and that was a surprise um, because a lot of people that went to the meet and greets and the comic cons and those kind of events only saw the happy and an incident in a all too common pattern as we go into the fourth season of the pandemic where along with the other stressors and the other depressing situations in life. We have this whole pandemic that has turned around how we feel about being social, how we approach just about everything we've taken for granted leading up to the pandemic, like the hysteria and the, the fear and how it's anybody's game or anybody's can be affected. It's like, yeah, you got the, the vaccine or no, you didn't get the vaccine and you can still get it and not know what the outcome may be. And there's more, there's more deaths and more suicides outside of Jason David Frank, but it's it hits particularly hard when it's somebody from your childhood, from a TV show or a cartoon or a movie, and in this particular case, you know, hip-hop and music and stuff like that, um, you just never know how people pass right away, and it's like, this is somebody that has had an impact on myself growing up and my mother growing up. And it's, it's very much a shame. Um, you know, a lot of these younger guys, like in their 50s and 60s, who have had longstanding careers in the background, just just dying, like in their sleep dying in their homes being found in hotel rooms and it's like god damn it what is going on out here america america has a problem so while we've been sleeping rolling stones decided to kick off 2023 with some hot mess when i tell you Rolling Stone Magazine must be snorting that good Tina when they released this list of the 200 greatest singers of all time. I mean exactly that. Because here's the thing. I opened the article. It wasn't didn't have high expectations because Rolling Stone's magazine has a very obvious tendency of... Excluding a lot of black artists, which is ironic because rock and roll started off of the backs of black people. So there I was, I was like, I'm gonna open it. They started 200 with somebody I'm not even familiar with, 199, not so much. Billy Eilish, I was like, okay. You know, this 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 show's promise. You know, the girl hasn't been out that long, but she has a particular style with her vocals where it's just like, I can get it. Like, we have this discourse about singers that whisper, you know, we're so used to power vocals and all that stuff that we really don't have the time for that. Other kind of stuff, the, you know, the new kids are doing. Uh, Burner Boy... Don't know who 196 is. 195 was interesting. So this is where I almost hit the guardrail. When y'all place the Kelly Clarkson at 194, I had to step away real fast. I was like, you know what? Pure nonsense. Not whistle register Kelly Clarkson. Not power vocally strong Kelly Clarkson. The first winner of American Idol. Miss Independent. Like, she, I would say, would be at the top of the... Next generation of singers, you know, after the vocal trinity that is Whitney, Mariah, and Celine. Like, huh? At 194? Really? I was like, okay. Very, very curious which direction at this point is this list going to go. So... I continue to scroll, and this is where my eyes popped out of my head like the characters on Roger Rabbit. Y'all placed Brandy. Brandy Norwood. You no know, Known World's Over as a Vocal Bible. Uh, I don't lean too heavy on that title, but I get it. <sighs> it, uh, like Mr. Fox of the Irish Refuse Podcast here as someone that listens to several genres of music a lot of which at this point is included in the realm of rock and roll music as it should be personally i have an issue with placing black artists relatively low and because it's an indication that we're not our music our voices are not discussed critically are not discussed uh On a gracious level, uh where it's like we're not studied vocally. You know, sure you can understand or recognize who influences us, you know, with in Brandy's case, it's like it's clear with her style and her stage presence with her vocals, how she approaches a lyric, where she places her runs, how she modulates heavily influenced by Whitney Houston. And that comes across in her appreciation and her adoration for Whitney Houston. If you go back to her her first two albums, those two eras of her live performances, it's there. Now, Brandy is on one side of the Whitney coin, influence coin. Monica is on the other side of the Whitney Houston influence coin. And it's just like... You're not Rolling Stone as a magazine. You're not hearing us. You know, very it's very rare with someone that not only has an alto vocal range, but a distinctive timbre, a distinctive tone, and a distinctive approach. I mean, the moment you hear Britney, I mean, Brandy's voice you're like oh that's Brandy and from the gate she's always her stage name has always gone by her first name only and even her impact to this day is felt like a lot of the next generation of singers have come after her Monica and Aaliyah which by the way they should be primarily credited for the 90s pop teen revival, not Britney and Christine Aguilera. Catch that tea. For it's felt through Janae Aiko, Summer Walker, Jasmine Sullivan, even SZA, Lizzo. It's it's wild to me that they replace her Brandy this low at 193 then i kept going i was like okay 192 not too familiar with her 191 one of the members of bts now i know at this point i realized okay this is one of those uh definitely somebody on the staff is definitely of part of the k-pop stand I I don't get it. Every every time I watch it, I feel like I'm in a cartoon. You know, I go down to the Korean spot, I think it was a Whistle Pig or one of the pig restaurants over in Baltimore and it was just on all the TVs. The the tables were real close together. Um and then I went to what was, what was the place called? Iron something. And it was there too. I was just like... All this fast dancing and this fast pop... It's just... It's a lot. And it's, it's chaotic. It's manic. I was like... Am I on something? Am I on Quaaludes? Am I on Speed? What is happening here? But yes. One of the members of BTS made the list. Then I got to 190 and I was just like, Frank Ocean. I had to completely leave the apartment. Y'all placed Frank Ocean over Kelly Clarkson and Brandy Norwood. Uh, you know, I was having a conversation with my co host of the usual suspects, Abstract Sagittarius, about Frank Ocean. Frank Ocean is an experience. Like, he may not have the strongest vocals, but he is someone that has a particular style. And, you know, while I'm glad he's on the list, I wouldn't place him above Kelly Clarkson in Brandy. At this point, I was just like, I don't know what they're trying to go for here. Um, because... When you think of singing and, you know, vocalists, you think of those group of singers that not only connect with you, but just pull you in from outside. And it's just like Frank Ocean. Over Kelly Clarkson and Brandy? I was like, okay. Let me hear Rolling Stone out. No, Joan Baez. Okay, that's cute. Fila, that's cute. Bonnie Raitt, that's good. Don't know who 186 is. Alicia Keys is a little low. Real low for me. Um, Because here's the thing. Like, you're mixing in, you know, impactful, influential current generation of singers and with longtime career singers at this point, And I'm just like, all right, we can clown Alicia Keys for constantly singing outside of her range live. We can clown her for at some point losing her footing as a live vocalist since being with Swiss Beats. We can do all kinds of things. But here's the thing. It is another level of talent. Not only as an artist as a performer, but as a singer. When you also play multiple instruments, or particularly the piano. You know, I... For Alicia Keys, she has a... This this is what drive, drove me crazy. You know, this is why I'm pissed that they keep putting us lower in these on these lists. You know, she's not the only singer-songwriter that can play an instrument and sing at the same time, but her voice to make the the worst feelings and the saddest feelings and emotions and thoughts sound beautiful and she is very good at at emoting longing and desperation and wonderment uh her first album iconic the second album took me a little longer to to grow on me but definitely a stronger set you don't know my name, like, oh my God, I, that just drives me to the edge where I'm just like, I get it. And it's so beautiful throughout. You no, know, shout out to Kanye West for producing that. It's, it's another slap in the face though, when it's like you have a prodigy here. And you have someone who expounds on being uh, an instrument prodigy trained to also have just a stronger presence with their voice. And I'm like, what are y'all doing over here? You know, Alicia Keys definitely soars vocally. Uh, very empowering when she gets to doing the choruses of some songs. She could also do this thing with her voice where it's like, dang, there's like pain and joy when she shifts vocally. She reminds me to an extent of Mary J. Blatch who does the same thing it's just like 185 for all that 185 184 don't know you Solomon Burke I'm familiar Jasmine Sullivan made the list and I'm like okay y'all are really playing in my face Bob Seger okay Sizzle. um you know while I'm glad that they are including some of the new girls uh, Scissor could have been a little bit higher. But understand, Martha Wash should have been higher. Don't know who 178 is. Okay, Patty, Iggy, blah, blah, blah. Lana, okay. Buddy Holly, Buddy Holly Mary Ann Faithful. Don't know that. Odetta, okay. Chris Stapleton. Sebastian should have been higher. You know, here's the thing. Like, the church. That's to be brought up singing in the church that is that is from your foot from your feet from your diaphragm from a spirit that is from a another universe and what I think Rolling Stone continues to miss is that the church is just as instrumental in a lot of Artists' repertoire, performance, vocals, because it's driving, it's, it's steeped in faith and hope. And a lot of that comes across in people's vocals. Debbie Harry, love that for her. Morris okay. Mark Anthony. So here's the thing. Like, I went through the list, and I was like, by the time I got to... Okay, Mary J. Blige made 25. By the time I got... Adele was higher than she should have been. By the time I got to the top 20. You know, Elvis, okay. I didn't see, like, Dionne Warwick... I didn't see Diana Ross. You know, Beyonce's in the top 10. So is Stevie Wonder, Ray Charles, Mariah Carey, understandable Billie Holiday, Sam Cooke. Whitney Houston is number two. Aretha's number one. But there was no La Bell. I don't think I saw Sade in there. Uh, Celine Dion was missing. That had to be the hardest snub. Because here's the thing. You want to talk. About. An artist. Who. Has. Like the cleanest. Voice. And the sharpest. And strongest. Hit you in the gut voice. That isn't strained, isn't exhausted, isn't weary, isn't weak, to be omitted from the list altogether. And I don't believe Michael Jackson was on this list either. I don't think I saw Luther Vandross. I don't think I saw... Maxwell I don't think I saw Brian McKnight Uh, I don't even think I saw I think I saw Mahalia Jackson but it's just something about the Rolling Stones where it's like we get you know thankfully they didn't omit Whitney Houston or Aretha um But Sam Cooke was a little high for me. Um, You know, I love that Stevie Wonder was in the top ten. I mean, he would have been in my top five. You know, there really is there is some credit to the list to where they're not over. They're not placing current artists entirely over. Like a Stevie Wonder or a Ray Charles. You know, Beyonce is a little high for me. Um, I believe she placed eight. But I also get that she has really grown, come a very long way. And her vocal range has grown... She has done a lot. She does a lot with her voice while performing. It was interesting to note that Pink was not on this list. Uh, I don't believe uh, Christine Aguilera was on this list. I don't remember. Or, hear me out, Madonna. Or... I don't think L. John or Billy Joel's on this list either. Like what what can you say? What can you say? (sighs) You know, Rolling Stones, y'all Y'all were tripping with this one. So moving on. America America has a problem. Y'all remember the fake Florida teen doctor Doctor Malachi Love. So he he is going back to jail. So remember he was dubbed Doctor Love for practicing medicine without a license. Doctor Malachi well ooh, not a doctor. Malachi Love Robinson Now 25 has pled guilty to fraud charges in a separate case. Faces charges of grand theft, organized scheme to defraud, sentenced to 28 months in prison for the crimes. An initial investigation this time was launched in March 2020 when the owner of a United States of Freight, a shipping broker in Delray Beach, claimed Love Robertson had rerouted business payments to go to his personal accounts. He was well-known years before in 2016 when he was just 18 of operating a medical office at 4700 North Congress Avenue in West Palm Beach and presenting himself as a certified medical doctor, which he was not. He pled guilty to to the six charges that stemmed from that investigation and was sentenced to three and a half years in prison. When I, when this popped back up on my timeline, right? I was right in the comments. Shout out to Baller Alert for this story, by the way. I was in the comments section, and the first name that popped in my head when I saw this story was whatever happened to Tyrone Hankerson? Hankerson, who child? Y'all went outside when Twitter was combusting at the seams. Over some Tyrone Hankerson. So. Allegedly. This Tyrone Hankerson guy. Worked in the federal aid office. At Howard University. And it was a bigger conversation. At my job at the time. Because one of the guys I worked with. Is a Howard University alum. By way of North Carolina right. I think Duke University. Or Winston-Salem. Anyway. It was alleged, theorized, um, I don't think there was an official story that came out that Tyro Hankerson was allegedly funneling his social media escapades, wearing nice clothes, wearing these fur coats, going on these trips. Because he had a whole Instagram page, whole social media presence of him traveling abroad that was allegedly funded by federal aid money that was supposed to go to the students that were either trying to attend high university enrolled were between semesters were allegedly somehow going to this guy, baby. The memes that came out of that era. Hilarious. I remember there was one where it was like it was a black and white photo of Marvin Gaye, what looks to be in his midnight love era. He's in the back seat of a vehicle in a in a coat, a very nice coat with a fur collar. And the caption read Tyrone Hankinson on his way to deny your federal aid student application. Baby, when I hollered. I'm still hollering and it's been at least five years, five, four years. This is pre pandemic. And I was like, I wonder what he's up to these days, you know, since we're talking about fraud. And it was just like, wow. You know, I forgot about this Malachi guy for a minute. But the moment I saw it's what I was like, oh, that guy again, like what? I got to applaud y'all. These fraudsters and these scammers that are out here just trying to get over. And this is before, you know, we had the social media influencers or scammers or work from home kind of people. I mean, y'all social media has just made it even easier, you know, to scam Coming from a history of having the signs by the traffic light, you know, pretending to be homeless on the street corner. You can do it from the comfort of your own home, from the heat, heated room and luxury of your bedroom. And if you are convincing enough, people will buy shit. I'm sure y'all seen uh, the latest Karamo episode where the pink sauce lady is confronted by a woman that bought her product. First of all, anybody that buys pink sauce, anybody that looks into retaining any kind of food product or food service from somebody over social media use a damn fool and when you think about it the pink sauce thing how y'all just are so quick to hop on something you literally watch the video you see the woman like putting the stuff in what starts off as an unlabeled Hellman squeeze bottle mayo container. And the feedback from people that have paid money, $20 by the way, is that they found glitter in their pink sauce. And the glitter is from the type of glue the woman used allegedly to affix the label to the bottle. Mind you, just a woman in her kitchen or living room doing videos with this pink sauce. Mind you, no condiment should be pink. At the at the very most, the condiment should be green. And that's pesto. The only thing that should be pink, and that's even questionable at most, is Pepto-Bismol. And y'all are... Got the game fucked up. But nevertheless, she was confronted on Karamo's show. Um, funny how I'm only a- seeing these his show like on the internet. But he got a season or a couple of episodes. But nevertheless, she gets confronted by another woman who made a complaint. But here's the thing. When y'all make a complaint, and clearly she was on there to be performative, y'all kept going back. Y'all keep going back. At first, I was I wasn't sure who was the pink sauce lady and who was the customer because it was like both of them had an argument, but both of them were just ridiculous. I was confused. I had to turn it off. But I gotta applaud you scammers for finding ways, even though it's like immoral and unethical and lacks common sense, like. Y'all have the energy and the ambition and the time. You know, we at the I Refuse Podcast. When you put your mind to stuff, anything is very much possible. America, America has a problem. Here we are only four days into the new year. And we here at the I Refuse Podcast, me, Mr. Fox. Keep getting reminded as to how stressful even more stressful than normal life is right now how chaotic all this shit in the universe is affecting a lot of people james buster corley who co-founded dave and busters has died dave and busters he was 72 years old so corley was found dead monday literally that was two days ago at his home in dallas from an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound. Four months prior, Buster Corley had a stroke that severely damaged the communication and personality part of his brain, according to his da- daughter Kate. Corley founded Dave and Buster's alongside David Corvo in 1982 in Dallas. The men were individually operating businesses, separate businesses. Buster a restaurant. David and R.K. near each other in Little Rock, Arkansas. After observing more than a few customers traveling back and forth between the two businesses, they had an idea to combine forces with Corvo winning a coin tell us to put his name first. At some point, they brought their idea to Dallas, and it has since spread nationwide with 151 locations in the U.S. and two in Canada. They served as co-CEOs from 82 to 89 at which point they sold the business to retail conglomerate Edison Brothers. They stayed on as business board members to keep an eye on their brainchild. Dave Buster's remains one of the largest entertainment companies in the US. Corvo died in 2015 at age 63. Baby, when I tell you like, it, it, this life at this point is just so unforgiving. Like, Dave and Buster's, like, look at the, look, I'm looking at this from a consumer perspective where it's like, I've gone to Dave and Buster's numerous times over and over and over again. Not since Aladdin's Castle. And I'm telling my age where, you know, it was an arcade, but outside of like Chuck E Cheese, like if you, if you want to go to a place that's more geared towards the kid and the adults, you know, Dave and Buster's also has a bar, you know, you'll have some people bring, you know, with some, a couple of kids, but not as many as like Chuck E Cheese, like Dave and Buster's man, that place, I like that place. Um, I'm more of an arcade cabinet kind of guy, and I'll do like the basketball and maybe the skee-ball, um, but it, it's a great place. You know, I think of fun and laughter and it being lighthearted and stuff. I can only imagine somebody like Dave and Buster who had a passion for hospitality, had a lighthearted and fun personality to even have this kind of idea and have these kind of businesses for you to have a stroke and then commit suicide like, damn, that's dark as fuck. Like I said earlier in the episode, you have a pattern now. We're seeing uh, more of a pattern at this point of people dying by suicide. And, you know, suicide's been a common thing, but it's particular to note that the suicides that we've been hearing about are surprising when we hear who is the one... The ones that are dying by suicide. Like you just have no idea how bad it gets for people. Who have brought joy to so many of us. Your boy here the I Refuse podcast. We have another segment we like to call. Come outside we won't jump you. To any of you fucking right-wing nuts that are piling on top of each other, foaming at the fucking mouth with your anti-vaccination theories when it comes to DeMar Hamlin's cardiac events during Monday Night Football, the game between the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals, in which after Damar Hamlin tackled T. Higgins, he went to stand up and fell back. He suffered a what it turns out to be a cardiac event after the tackle or hit that he he performed on T the brunt of the force was taken on his chest and his head. He was, although he was successfully resuscitated on the field, I believe not once, but twice, he is still in critical condition. And I believe it's reported allegedly that he's in a coma. Nevertheless, he's not out of the woods. Like Even if he comes to, there is definitely going to be a long road ahead for this guy. But here y'all come. I'm looking at you, Charlie Kirk, especially. Using your Twitter account to further push the theory in your own say-it-without-saying-it kind of way that his cardiac event, Damar Hamlin's cardiac event, was tied to his having the vaccine or just uh, an, a nod or a feather in the cap of anti-vaccination theories and narratives and you know platforms that a lot of you right-wing nuts Charlie Kirk, I'm looking at you, are about these days. Let's be very clear. You know, this is one of those sore areas because it's steeped in overgeneralizations, ignorance, and pushing further a dangerous narrative. That is anti intelligence, anti scientific, anti health, very dangerous. You know, three areas that are very important in, gee, knowing what the fuck you're talking about, and particularly important when it comes to life and death. You know, a lot of people. Don't want to believe, even when it's clear, as to all the dangers that occur in football, all the things that are possible aside from CTE that is possible when your body, particularly specific parts of your body, take a hit or, you know, from another player or a hit to the ground. Some Surprise jolts or force of impact, especially when it's focused and, you know, a lot of these, these nuts have been on this, this crazy train since before Dr. Fauci, you know, I was on Twitter minding my African-American business the past couple of days and it's not only the politicians and the more influential people you have people that are that either were or still are currently EMTs piling on their opinions and it's like that's great that you're an EMT for almost 20 years and you continue to be an EMT but EMT is not a doctor A resident assistant is in in the neighborhood. A medical assistant, not so much. Not even the people that do coding. Not even the people that do the vitals. You are out here trying to convince us with a counter-argument from people that not only have a medical license are medical doctors not just entitled but actually have done the work gone to college certified by the state and by the government like that's that's like me assuming that I eat pizza rolls, and play video games all day, deciding today is the day that I will get off of my recliner, get up out of my recliner, and argue, have this counter-argument, having never left the house, having never left the street, to wheel myself into a conversation on Twitter with numbers percentages, because I found the percentage key and present present it as credible data. Now, those of us that have been to college, those of us that have graduated from high school know and stress the importance of sources. And presenting with your arguments or your piece of rhetoric the source information to support your argument, anybody can put can find numbers on the keyboard and the percentage key after they open a the tweet and press send and I said to the guy, this EMT guy I'm like, okay i I will take." I'll be open to a tweet from a medical doctor and he provided one with the guy who has MD in his, his name, but I thought MD, all MDs had the periods between the letters. This guy didn't, you know, it's no coincidence that WebMD doesn't have it either, but y'all stay going to that website and using that to do home remedies and shit and you wake up and you're in the damn ER looking at a hundred dollar callback but you know come outside we won't jump you Charlie Kirk you may get a raised eyebrow similar to the rock like what are you on just just say no just say no to whatever you're on it's okay it's all right So we here at the I Refuse podcast like to conclude the episodes with a little story time, and boy, do I have one for you! So, if you were listening to the previous episode, "Dangerously in Love," you will find that I went to Chicago uh, from the twenty sixth until the second, the twenty sixth of December to the second of January, and our first thought is, "Why Chicago in December?" especially around Christmas, everything worked out fine. Uh, We hit the road days after the Ohio Turnpike blizzard and the Midwest blizzard and the pileup on the Ohio Turnpike that affected over 50 people and I think killed at least two. Didn't hit any major snow. Mind you, we hit the road Monday, which was the 26th. Um, And there were remnants of vehicles on either side. Got to Chicago in 10 hours. Drove straight through with some stops for meals and stuff. Vacation was lovely. It was warm by Tuesday or Wednesday. There was no wind. It wasn't disrespectful. All the snow was gone. It was like the mid-50s the rest of the time. Here is where things were interesting. I swear to y'all... I did not go out looking for this. I was actually home watching Don Lemon and his mother, who was a hoot. I made a nice little peppercorn steak dinner, mashed potatoes and green beans. We had La Marca, with per our usual New Year's Eve tradition. At some point after the ball dropped, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine. Uh, he's more like an acquaintance. We, we are social media buddies or whatever, but I've met this guy before. Um, He was the ex, he was the boyfriend at the time of a girl that I used to work with in the mailroom. White guy um, opened up to me about some of his latest, uh, the latest in his life at the moment. You know, he is in the throes of divorcing his wife, who would he, they weren't married that long and they've been dating for a while. Because, he's convinced that she only married him for a green card. Needs to say he hadn't got any pussy since October. And at this point was very much open to the idea of just, just fucking. And he was even open to the idea of me watching, like not a threesome type of thing. Like he's not with the gay shit as most straight guys tend to say that a lot. And that's fine. Um, I'm curious by nature to see what it's like to watch him fucking. It. The conversation at this point started with, he asked me, propositioned me, you know, he knows that I, I have female friends. He wanted to to know if I could hook him up with one of my female friends. And the first person that came to my mind as far as showing him titties was a really good friend of mine. I reached out to her. Now, mind you, the champagne had already kicked in. I'm already on a high from this conversation because we're like not even hours into 2023. I hit her up, didn't say happy news or any of that. I was like, hey, do you have time? To show your titties on this guy. This white guy over IG video. She didn't respond. So I'm assuming she turned a new leaf. For 2023. Not sure. So he thought I was bluffing. But I was like. Nah I'll, I'll look into it. We, we can. I can definitely. Do some digging. And see what I can get. I was like. Oh my god. So, this ended up being a two-hour conversation where he's opening up about girls that he's talking to and how he's, like, aching real bad for some pussy. And I'm like, me being a good support person, and I feel like I need to help this guy, I've decided that I will... Join one of the um, the apps and create a profile to get girls for him. Um, and just a little freak, just a little freak to to fool around with. And he's and I'm, I've told him about this yesterday, and then he was just like, "Look, you know, I can't fuck while I'm high." Just opening up to me, and I was telling my boyfriend, I was like, People just open up to me, just and I'm like, I, I must be comforting or something. It's been like that for years, so this is a mission, a project for me first, first of its kind in 2023. That I'm going to try to get a sexy Latina, Asian girl, black girl. Particularly a freak to watch a white friend of mine fuck. And maybe I'll join in. You've heard it here first. And we'll keep you up to date as the story progresses. This is Mr. Fox, the I Refuse podcast. Be sure to continue to support this podcast as well as the I Refuse podcast after dark, which I need to make a new episode for And, of course, The Usual Suspects, which we'll be producing a new episode for that podcast this week and releasing it probably by the end of this week. Uh, Stay hydrated. uh, Keep your grease scalped, your scalp greased. uh, Make sure your edges and your weave is blended in before you start going crazy. And uh, we will catch you guys later.